Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. All right. Are you ready? All right. I'm a child of God. The Father loves me. The Father forgives me. The Father wants me. I am his, and he is mine. Therefore, my past won't haunt me. The future doesn't scare me. Because in his presence is where I live. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So, you know, it's, uh, in case you didn't know, it's the holiday season. And um, so I'll sit down with the kids once in a while and, and watch a, uh, a um, Christmas movie here and there. And we have our favorites. Of course, seeing a young, an older man dressed in an elf costume jumping on a Christmas tree is one of our favorite movies to watch. It's... Uh, but I, I, I found out that there's a movie that I had not seen um, from like the 80s called The Santa Claus. I think it's called The Santa Claus, where he's just like the, the, the old guy. It, it's kind of, uh, Dudley Moore, I think, is in it. Yeah, it's like really old when I'm talking 80s. I wasn't lying. And he's an elf. So anyway, I was watching that, and I was like, it was not a bad movie at all. But I was just, uh, it's one of those things where you're just kind of glad maybe you missed that one. You, you lived a good life without probably seeing that Santa Claus movie. You've seen so many throughout your life, and they've all been good. But that one was, eh, it was all right. My kids, it did not keep my kids' attention very well. But, uh, and there was no Rudolph. So I don't know how you can have a Santa Claus movie really without a Rudolph. So anyway. So um, the season that we're living in right now. Um, a lot of things going on, a uh, lot of sicknesses, a lot of, lot of just sometimes some, some tough things going on, yet we are in the season of hope. Are we not? Yeah, there you go. We are in the season of hope, and I want to share with you for a little bit today uh, uh, some of that hope. Um, so as, as Ben said, we are going to have our uh, Sunday morning service at midnight. Uh, so it is technically a Sunday service, okay? It's a Sunday morning service. It's, it's even before the early bird services. It is, it will be the first service, I guarantee you, probably, all right, on Sunday morning. So we just want to get in there and win that race. So uh, if you want to open your Bibles, um, one I want you to open up would be in the Gospel of Luke. And then the other, you would keep your finger, yeah, Luke 2, and then the other one, keep your finger in Matthew uh, chapter 2 as well, too. And we'll just kind of go back and forth. And if I'm going to say it, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's two sets of groups that are, represented, that are going to be represented here in this Bible story that we're going to talk about. Um, you know the story in, uh, in chapter 2. 
they are, there is a, um, a census, and Joseph's taken Mary, and they're taken off to go and into Bethlehem, and she's pregnant, and that's got to be an uncomfortable donkey ride. And um, I was, I mean, my goodness, I was watching um, our Australian Shepherd Scout. We didn't know she had 10 pups, puppies in her. We knew she had some puppies. We didn't know there were 10. But it explains why she was wider than she was longer towards the end of her pregnancy. I mean, that was, that's a lot of puppies. And um, so anyway, I can imagine, only imagine, I think that's a song, but I can only imagine that uh, this must have been a real difficult journey, uh, taking your pregnant wife, who is not biologically your son. Um, see, they had stuff going on back in these days too, right? Um, uh, on a donkey ride because you have to go register for a census. And not shortly after that, getting there, her time comes to deliver a child. We know that there is no room for them to stay in um, a regular place. And so we know that he is born in what we would call a lowly estate, right? He is, he is surrounded by, I mean, I, I have a barn and I have animals. He's surrounded by manure. He's surrounded by a lot of things that are not probably the prettiest smelling things on the earth and he is born this is this is this is what is in, is incredible to me is that he is born in the midst of all of this stuff this junk this in the middle of everything and i it almost becomes this spiritual um Transition into the spiritual lives that he's, he's also born in the middle of all your junk. Did you know that? So he's born in not, he, he wasn't born in a palace, although he's a king, right? He was born in, in, in what would be one of the most lowliest places you could be born into that nobody really wants to be, but that's where he's coming in. He's born in the midst of all of this stuff, this unflattering stuff, and as we think about it, when you receive him and you are born again and he's coming into you, it's right in the middle of all of your junk. No matter how long you've been a Christian or how long you've been a believer, whether you've just come to Christ within the year of months or whatever, or you've been a Christian your entire life, I'm here to tell you that although you mature down the road as you grow in Christ, you still got junk in the trunk. And he was not just born for that initial junk. See, he's big enough to carry that all the way through till you take your last breath. And you leave your junk behind and you go and be with him. That's how good he is. So this season we celebrate, you know, there's the Santa Claus. And, you know, I don't have a problem with celebrating that stuff. We're all Hellenist. If you don't know what I'm saying, just look it up. You're a Hellenist. I'm a Hellenist. All God's children here are Hellenists. Unless you are uh, Orthodox where, or you're an Essing or something like that. You're a Hellenist. That's not a bad thing. It's not. It's just the culture in which we live in. That means that we, we live in a culture that, um, that we embrace some of the culture. And I'm not talking about the bad culture. I'm just talking about if, if you take your kids and you sit them on Santa Claus, okay. That's not necessarily bad at all. It's not real, but it's not bad. Okay? 
And so we, we embrace some of the cultural things. We have traditions and stuff like that. It's okay. It's, it's fine. It's good. So we understand that. But with culture also comes the junk of culture as well too, doesn't it? And I'm not have to go into all the details of, of what we all know that we deal with day in and day out. Stuff that is not really our own, but because we are a citizen living in the kingdom of God, we are walking through unflattering things on the earth. And so we may be walking into neighbors whose life looks like a barn. Because they got so much manure in their spiritual lives. And they're dwelling in this. And so the the idea then is, is, is we can either close our eyes and, and charge through or we can introduce them to the one who was born in the midst of all of this junk to save people from it. So in Luke uh, chapter 2, we'll start here. There's two groups of people. In, in Luke's gospel in chapter 2, we get the idea of uh, the decree going out. And then we, in chapter 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And in the same region, there were some shepherds, right, shepherds. This is your first group of people that we'll talk about a little bit right now. Shepherds. Not the highest class of society, in case you were wondering, at all, especially back then. Some of these guys may have tried to get in rabbinical school at some point in their life, failed miserably, and so now they're back on the chain gang, dealing with sheep on the side of a mountain. Maybe they had dreams of being something else. Maybe they wanted to be a great disciple. Maybe they wanted, had all these things, but life dealt them something to where they were not allowed. You remember David, right? Side of a mountain. Samuel comes and says, hey, one of your sons is going to be king to Jesse, right? So he parades his sons in front of him, and God says none of them are the ones going to be king to the point where Samuel asked Jesse, you got any more kids? Anybody hiding in the closet? Any, anything going on? Well, I, I, I have one. He's the youngest. And he's way out there. And some theologians believe that, that David may, not, may have been Jesse's son, but not from the mother of the others. One reason is because he's described as looking different. It's just a, a thought, which may explain why he was not really with the rest of the family and maybe not really accepted, to the point where he's sitting on the side of a mountain watching his father's sheep and developing uh, this wonderful relationship with the Heavenly Father to where he writes a lot of his psalms. Shepherds, man, they're around the junk, aren't they? If I, I've never had sheep. I don't want sheep because they're dumb. Sheep are not smart. If you learn anything today, you leave this. Jesus is good. Sheep are stupid. You'll get pretty far in life with that, okay? So sheep are dumb. They will, they, I, if you've ever watched this um, thing on Facebook. It shows this sheep who's stuck in this crack. And they go and they grab him and they lift him off and he jumps like two jumps and right back in the crack he goes. And they're like, 
You know, what the heck? And I'm like, that's what sheep do. So when Jesus refers to you as his sheep, that's, you can take it as a compliment. But if you look at your own life, you can see where, boy, he, he really did get that right about me, didn't he? Sometimes I fall back into the same old patterns and the same old stuff, the same old junk. See, the good thing about Jesus is, is that I, this is just a God thing. I, I don't understand it. It's that he never really tires of rescuing me from my junk. And if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that there's probably more there than we want to really realize. But realizing how much of that junk we have only reflects the greatness of the glory and the goodness of who he is. So his dying for my sin, which we'll talk about in Easter, but his dying for my sin, right, is not just this one specific point of time that you get it right here, but if you mess up again, you're done. It's not that. This, this thing that breaks through in, in the birth and, and on the cross is, is, is him breaking in and, and all of a sudden, and we come to the cross and, and all of a sudden, there's a place for my junk to go. I'm not saying you're always going to struggle with things the way you struggled with them when you first came to Christ. But as you mature, all of a sudden, there's curtains that have opened up on your heart that junk is stored that you didn't even know about. And Jesus is revealing these things throughout our life for the purpose of saying, I got a place for that stuff. You know, some people are spiritual hoarders. There's junk in every room of their heart. And I've watched some of those hoarding shows. And I've seen, you know, things that, that happen with, with that and how full their house has become. And they can't let go of anything. And everything has, even the trash has a purpose. I don't, I don't get it, but it does. And so people have a hard time letting go of that physical stuff for whatever reason. And I've noticed that in humanity, in our spiritual lives, sometimes it's the same way. Sometimes the things we've been delivered from are the things we keep running back to. Sometimes the things that we've been forgiven of are things that keep popping up on our radar. And so shepherds out on the field. It says in verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Uh, I'll pull this up for you. Um, I thought this was really good. I want to just read this. Um, shepherd. Um, the Greek word is piomen, uh, P-O-I-M-E-N. Um, and it means, hey, guess what? Shepherd. It also means pastor because it also deals with what we would see in um, Ephesians with the fivefold. Um, pastor as well, too. A herdsman, right? But get this. The task of near 
eastern shepherd were to watch for enemies trying to attack sheep, to defend the sheep from attackers, to heal the wounded and sick sheep, to find and save lost or trapped sheep, to love them, sharing their lives, and so earning their trust. Uh, So there's where you see a direct correlation between Jesus calling himself the good shepherd and you being the sheep. And these shepherds out on this field are watching over their real sheep, right? And there's animals that will try to attack them. There's things that are always going to... The devil is called a person who, is, who tries to steal, kill, and destroy. He's always after the herd, which is why it is, it is so important for you to stay connected with fellow sheep. And staying connected to the great shepherd. Because what, if you ever watch predators, what they try to do is they try to isolate sheep from the flock. And so they will go and scatter this. And as things begin to disperse, they'll go after weak, young, sick, whatever, isolated. And then they'll devour it. It'll become a, a meal for them. And the enemy of your soul tries to do the exact same thing. If he can get you isolated, then he will start putting thoughts in your head for you to dwell on. You ever struggle with those thoughts? You ever struggle with those conversations you have with yourself and yourself? Or yourself and the enemy? And, and there's this issue going on at work, or there's this issue going on here or there, and you've had entire conversations of what you would say to people. Well, if she says that, I'm going to say this, and I would say this, and I would do that. And what you've become entangled in is a trap of the enemy, and he's isolating you from God's grace so that you will lash out in vengeance and anger, or here's the big one, offense. If he gets you offended, he gets you isolated. And you going down from that, it's not so much about the other people, it's really about you being devoured by anger and bitterness. So these shepherds are sitting out there, and all of a sudden, An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Do you want to know why they were terribly frightened? Because they've never seen anything like this before in their entire lives. These these people are coming out of what we would call 400 years of silence, where God has not ushered a word through his prophets for 400 years. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is coming on the earth, and every host of heaven is coming out of places you didn't know existed and are declaring glory and they're showing it all over these shepherds because I believe that Jesus has a soft spot for the lowly people of the earth especially those who are doing his kind of work without maybe even knowing it they're terribly frightened but the angel says do not be afraid for behold I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now listen, they have probably heard these stories about a Messiah coming. Their whole lives growing up, there would be prayers offered in 
temples and stuff like that, they would hear things at the dinner table, inviting the rabbi over, you know, for dinner, whatever. They would hear these stories about a Messiah, about a Savior. Now, they may not understand it fully to what Jesus was going to do, as we will understand when Jesus grows up and deals with the Pharisees, but they know that God is, has, is not going to forget them, and he's going to do something. And all of a sudden, angelic hosts come out and, 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 and say these words, and all of a sudden, the choir joins in. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, right? Among men with whom he is pleased. Now, you have to understand something. This peace that he's talking about in here is not peace on earth. See, his first coming, his second coming, is when there's going to be peace on earth. Everywhere. His first coming, this is why when he grows up, hey, listen, I, I have not come to bring peace. I've, I'm bringing a sword, Right? in his first coming as a baby. But the peace that they're talking about here is the peace that comes for those who are going to be in him. And there is the peace that the sheep get to experience that comes from the shepherd that even though they live in what seems like hell on earth, there is a supernatural peace that encompasses his children, his sheep, because they know he's the great shepherd and nothing is outside of his control. That's the piece he's talking about. This is why you don't see this type of peace throughout the world. I mean, my goodness, right? We've got the Ukraine, what's going on in there. And I, it doesn't matter what your political party is or what you think we should or should not be doing. Innocent people are dying. Innocent people are dying. The church is thriving but I believe taxed okay so don't look at what's going on in the world through a political mind and try and think of what your involvement should be look at these things through the eyes of a loving shepherd and then decide what our response should be and sometimes that response is just diligently praying for what's going on over there but Jesus said it, didn't he? That there will be wars and rumors of wars, right? The ends. There will be a lot of things going on. There will be, a, there will be many Christs popping up. If you see a, someone says Christ is over here, Christ is over there, you say, don't listen to them. We, we do have that. We do have the spirit of Antichrist. That's been in the world for a long time. Not the Antichrist, per se, but the spirit of Antichrist. There are a lot of things that we can lose our peace over if we let it, which is why I encourage you to not watch so much news. Because what you feed yourself is what's going to come back out of you. And if you receive everything that, of what's going on in the world, you are incapable in your humanity of processing. Because we were created to do something about stuff. And there's no way that we in our humanity can do anything about the stuff that's going on in the world. We don't have that capacity within ourselves. And so that brings anxiety. 
That brings frustration. That brings all these things. What we need to do is go back and say, these things are going on. They're going on for a purpose. My peace is in the Lord. I'm praying for those who are going through these hard and difficult times. If there's things that I can do, I will do it. But I will not lose the peace he gave me because even though we're going through difficult times, we understand that the end result of all of this is our good. Shepherds, don't be afraid. Don't lose your peace. There's a Savior born who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign that you will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel the multitude of the heavenly hosts, which is like heavenly armies, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds began to say to another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing. Here's the thing you got to know. Jesus brings joy. So in the midst of everything that they may be going through on the side of a hill, watching sheep, keeping their eyes open, whatever stuff, the, the stress of life, maybe not being with their families, whatever, you can, you can throw, insert here whatever those issues may be for you. What you have to understand is in the midst of everything that you're going through, Jesus brings joy. The second thing he brings are, are signs and wonders, doesn't he? Because these shepherds are experiencing signs and wonders. It's a wonder when an angel breaks through and a choir of them starts singing. That's a wonder. That's pretty wild. Now, I don't know, I can't say that I've seen angelicals like that, but the Bible says to, tells that throughout our life that we may be entertaining angels so they are amongst us it could be that they are in this room well I know they are spiritually but they can take they, they look like they look like humans some do not read Revelation man wow okay some of those guys are a little kooky looking but so they are around us and, and if, if the Bible says that uh, a third of the angels fell from heaven. Yet there are angels of children who always see his face. There's a lot of angels. Lots of angels. Lots of angelic green. Now, we don't worship them. The Bible tells us they're not things to be worshipped. But I would still be pretty in awe if I saw one in the flesh. Okay. So the shepherds. Uh, so Jesus brings joy, signs and wonders. But then... They also move, don't they? They're like, we gotta go, and we've got to see this Jesus. Now, this is interesting, because we're gonna talk about the Magi here in a moment, and we sang that song, if I were a shepherd, I would do my part, but since I am a poor man, I'll just give him my heart, right? That's a nice little lyric. It, thank you, Chris Tomlin, awesome. But it is also a reality, isn't it, for these guys? They're, the one, they're not bringing the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, are they? They got nothing. They got nothing. And the shepherds are representation, I believe, of the humanity of Jesus. They represent his humanity. See, he was fully human, which means, and I'm not trying to be silly, that means he had to have his diaper changed. That means when they're walking on roads together, they had to stop for potty breaks. 
He was fully human. It's quite possible he could have stubbed his toe maybe once. But then he probably healed it. So, but he was human. He experienced everything that we experience. And, and t- to the point of even be, uh, next chapter over, is being tempted by the devil himself, isn't he? With everything that you and I are tempted with, he was tempted with. He was human. And he appears to one of the lowest forms of humanity called shepherds and proclaims great joy. And they come to him, and the only thing they got is worship. See, you're not bringing anything to Jesus except your bad junk. There's nothing you've done, and there's nothing you can give that is in any comparison to the greatness of who he already is. He's beautiful. And he came because he wanted to. To reconcile humanity back to the Father. Okay, let's move. So the shepherds went back and they're glorifying, praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Just as had been told them. All right. In Matthew. Here we go. We got the three wise guys. Larry, Moe, and Curly. Okay? Nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. So... Magi, if you look at this, um, the Greek word is magnus. It is the name given by Babylonians, Chaldeans, Medes, Persians, and others to wise men, teachers, priests, physicians, astrologers, seers, interpreters of dreams. Um, soothsayers and sorcerers and etc. Um, so... If you, if, you, if you ever listen to David Jeremiah, he has a wonderful message about the wise men. And his message is coming from the point of these wise men who are, not, are probably you know, oriental um, are, are not looking at... Well, when Daniel was in captivity, that the wise men probably came from around there or word from what Daniel was talking about moved and so those who were these wise men were people who down this line knew that signs were coming these men were also men of who understood the times that they lived in these were wise men they understood the times and what the signs were saying and so they were looking for the savior because the signs and the times that they were seeing were showing them that. Now, that is not far-fetched for me at all because Jesus says the same thing to us. You will know when it's getting close because these things are about to happen. So this is not out of the... This is not, this is not sorcery. This is not, you know, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. But I'm quite frankly, God chooses whoever he wants to choose. I mean, he did... I mean, when you look at Saul going to a sorcerer to raise up Samuel, and for some reason God just did it for him, and Samuel comes back in the Old Testament. So I, God does what he wants to do. Um, but this, these are people who have been trained to look and know that there is a deliverer coming. These guys, these guys are, are the ones who are going to represent his divinity. The representation of his divinity. Kings, wise men. A lot of, 
you know, control over a lot of things, you know, leadership. I mean, they, they're going, to, oh, there they are. And they're going to represent his divinity. And they're going to bring to him those things, not for earning anything in his sight, but bringing stuff, the best maybe that the earth has to offer to lay at, basically they're bringing him the sidewalks of heaven, gold. And they're laying it down at his feet, frankincense, myrrh, all of these things that, that would represent his divinity. Now, as we're looking at this, the wise men are on their way in Matthew chapter 2. Jesus is born in Bethlehem during the days of Herod the king. Magi from the east arrive in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Probably not the smartest thing to say, although it is true. For we saw a star in the east and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem was, was with him. Don't you find that interesting? As the leader goes, so goes the city. To the shepherds, it's great joy. To the wise men, we've been looking for this, and this thing is awesome. But Herod, because he's Herod, is concerned because he's going to, he's afraid he's going to lose power, and all of Jerusalem is upset with him. It's just a sidebar. So he's gathering all the chief priests. He's going to ask them, where is he going to be born? Bethlehem. Okay. Then he calls the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent with them to Bethlehem. He said to, sent them to Bethlehem. Go search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. I'm not so thinking so much that's really what he wants to do. See, he's quite happy with the power that he has on the earth. And people who are wrapped up and engorged or inflamed with that type of power will do anything they can to keep it. And if you listen to some of the stories of, of Herod, not a great guy. He was so wrapped up in, in retaining his power, he would kill his own sons. His death was not great either. All right, I, I, was, I was wondering if I should say this to you, but I think it's important. What they believe that happened with him is that he got an infection where guys do not want to get infections. So bad that it became maggot infested. Some, because he, he had many wives and all this stuff, it could have been a STD. That's the what. But the why is, I, I find it significant that the seed that God promised all the way back to Eve, right? The seed coming from her, or he tells it to the enemy, and I will put enmity between her seed and your seed. He's talking that to the devil, right? And so throughout time, what does the enemy begin to do? He begins 
to attack the seed. When Moses is born and going to be delivered, what begins to happen? The enemy, who is Pharaoh, filled with the God of this world, what does he seek to do? Kill all the male children. Why? Because the devil believes that if he can stop the seed, he'll stop the Messiah. Same spirit, different person. Herod becoming so enraged that the Magi betrayed him. They took off because they knew he wasn't who he said he was. And they were going to go. They were warned in a dream and they go to a different way. So Herod, being filled of the devil, does the same thing that the devil did back in Moses' time where he goes out and he says, kill all the male children two years and below. Why? Because I've got to stop the Messiah from coming to the earth. It is the voice of a man whose who's, who's only desire and lust is power, but it's also the voice of the enemy that is coming out and saying, we have got to stop this. And he doesn't know how. I don't, the enemy doesn't know everything, but he knows times and he knows seasons. And so this spirit of death, this destroying of the seed a part of the devil's plan to destroy, to keep the Messiah from coming on the earth. Now listen, how does that work in, in our age? You see, he's still doing it. It's called abortion. And I realize that, that Roe versus Wade has been technically overturned, and, and I think that's good for a nation. But, but the reality of it is, Nothing has stopped. There is still the extermination of seed that is never going to come on the earth and proclaim the glory of God. If, if, if 70, let's just say, and I realize that not every child that is aborted would have been a Christian. I get that. But we're up to past 70 million babies in the U.S. alone. What if half? Were to have bended their knee to him on this earth. What would that have meant? A third. What if three-fourths? I don't know. But I can tell you, it's been the job of the enemy to destroy children before they ever get out of the womb. Because he doesn't want any more of us. Merry Christmas. But in seeing all this play itself out, right? You have to understand that there is seed in you. Last week we talked about that there are dreams that people have given up on, right? What the enemy has done was tried to spiritually abort the God-given seed that has been... I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about callings and dreams and visions that God has placed in you to see happen. He may have not have stopped you from coming out of the womb, but he's still going to try and stop you from having any type of spiritual impact on the earth. 
The problem is that John tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The problem is, is we're not living like that. We're living like poor beggar children who have no hope and no identity in a world that's just waiting to beat us up and beat us down instead of people who are living victoriously because the incarnated Christ child through the power of the Holy Spirit is now living in us. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is the same spirit that lives within you. What are you doing with that glorious seed that you have been impregnated with? He's still doing it. He's still going around in people and planting those great, huge God dreams inside them. And people are like this, man, wouldn't that be great? But I'm just a carpenter. That'd be great for somebody else to do that. Wouldn't that be nice if the dream that God gave me that somebody else would do? It certainly can't be me. We act more like Moses standing by the fire giving all the excuse. He's standing by a fire of God. Do you get this? A fire that God started, which is burning but not consuming the bush. He's standing by this supernatural thing that's talking to him. I have never had a bush or plant speak to me, so I'm pretty sure that that still to him is amazing. And yet, he comes up with the excuses of why he can't do what God, he knew God had called him to do before he even left Egypt. This is why he killed an Egyptian person because there was a calling on his life to be a redeemer of his people before he even knew really how it was going to play out. And many times people go out in their own power and try and accomplish the God thing. And if you've done that, okay, pull the reins back. It's not over. If he renewed Moses, who was 40 when he killed the guy, 40 years on the backside of a desert and called him back to lead millions of people outside of Egypt again, I think you've got hope. I'm guessing it may not, you may not even have to wait till 80 years of age. I'm thinking now's the time. Roger, there's hope, buddy. There's hope. <laughs> I'm thinking it's time for us to stop reading stories that talk about power, supernatural, godly plans, and godly visions, and think that it's not for you. I don't think this stuff ever ended. I don't think it ever will until we see the ultimate supernatural thing to where Jesus comes back. And at that time, I don't want anything left by me undone on the earth. I'm not talking heaven and hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying I don't want anything that he's called me to do not to be done because I was afraid. Because I listened to uh, my flesh or the enemy who throws those darts to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. See, he's, he's not even calling me to do it by myself. He's partnering with me because what he's called me to do is supernatural. And so I need that from him in me to do it. If you're overwhelmed by the vision, congratulations, it's God's. If you're underwhelmed by it, stop. 
it's probably not what God has asked you to do. Or you're doing it wrong. So there it is. It's almost as if it's not. People say, oh, it's like hell on earth. You really don't understand what hell is, but I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of bad things that are happening on the earth. It's growing. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of hatred. Families are split because of a whole lot of different things. We, I don't know that we really saw this coming to the point and how fast it has come. And it seems like it's like light speed to where things have gone. You know, we've got viruses upon the earth that are growing more. We've got hatred upon the earth that seems to be growing. It's always been there, but it seems to be expanding. Um, We've got the nations of the earth in disarray. We've got the fear once again of nuclear war. Anybody from the 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s remember having to practice to hide yourself under a desk in case of a nuclear war? That wasn't to protect you. That's just to know where where the dust was. Hiding under a desk is not going to save you from a nuclear attack. I'm just saying, sorry if I popped your bubble. But for some reason, we practice those things, right? And now we're, we're the thing, you know, we've, we've got Russia and Ukraine, and those things are being said. I don't believe it will happen like that. But regardless, I'm not a, a, a worldwide prophet that can say those things. But the world is in great and travail, And I think the decision remains to be seen as to whether, as to what will be birthed. Are you catching me? Will you be in labor for the thing that God is desiring to birth in and through you? Or will you abort it because you're afraid of what the enemy is doing? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.